Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hi, this is Earl Oliver from Sully Finish Wrestling. This is Raj Geary with WrestlingInc.com. This is Sean Reed, boxing writer and undercover low-key wrestling fan. And you're listening to Duke Love Wrestling. Woo! You know, folks, it's, it's really interesting when you think about what's good and what's not so good about the pro wrestling industry in terms of what you consume, right? So the TV shows and, and the things that we see on the pay-per-view events and things like that, what's going on creatively? And, and who's writing this stuff? Who's making these decisions? And do we have the right people in those positions making those decisions? Because I'll tell you, some of this nonsense that we see out there in all the different promotions can just really be a head scratcher. Our, our guest this week is someone who has spent a number of years working in different capacities within the wrestling industry. They're also a writer, so they understand the creative process and what have you. And I think that this would be a real breath of fresh air just to talk some creative with somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. So <laughs> strap yourselves in because she means business too, folks. Without further ado, welcome to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, the CEO of the Square Circle podcast. She's also a writer, an author, an all-around just solid person, Marie Shadows. How are you, Marie? I'm good, Duke. Thank you for having me on the show. This week on WWE Raw, we saw this, this group, Retribution, and they're attacking everyone. They've been doing it for months. They've been causing chaos. They've been causing havoc and all this other crazy stuff here. And then <laughs> they have the audacity to say that they signed a contract to work for the WWE. Now, how can you be this outside fringe group that's destroying things and doing all this crazy stuff? And then you, during a, a promo, claim Oh, and by the way, we signed a contract. Does that even make sense, Marie? It does not. Even from a reader's perspective, I'm not even going to get into the writing perspective just yet. From a reader's perspective, like if you put that in like a short story or like a novel, someone's going to point it out and be like, your editor didn't tell you that this was a bad idea. Because in the land of writing and editing, you have all sorts of people looking at your writing and they are critiquing it and they're letting you know, hey, you got to fix this in like chapter five, page whatever. But no, it does not make sense at all. Even when I was reading everything on the Twitter timeline, I'm like, what? So you destroy stuff, sign a contract to still destroy stuff. What? <laughs> at that point, you should be like, I'm going home after you destroy stuff. Right. If the concept is that they are the outsiders who were taken over and they're attacking things and what have you, we don't need to know about whatever contract they, they signed or anything like that. They're just the outsiders. People are too afraid to kick them out, or maybe they're not strong enough to kick them out. 
But this whole notion that they're trying to cover a base as to why you're still seeing these folks on TV. Well, we have a contract now. It was just silly. (laughs) Another thing that was pretty silly, and I know that you had been tweeting about this, which got a lot of uh, eyebrows raised, the names of some of the members. Right. So so talk to us about your tweet in regard to the names. Out there um, in Twitter land, I tweeted that I am a writer. I do have my degree in creative writing. I went to school for that. My whole life is that I wanted to be a writer. So I used to work for WWE. I used to be in the network uh, logging department that helped me version two of the WWE network that you guys are subscribed to. However, my original goal was to be part of their writer's department in some capacity or the other. But when I was working for the network side, they let me go. So I was really upset that they named these guys T-Bar, Slapjack, and Mace. And I basically told them that it was their loss and they should have put me in the writer's department rather than letting me go. That was a really bad choice of words. Uh, Not choice of words, but choice of names to name those wrestlers. Especially when we're talking about wrestlers who we know have name recognition. You know, they've been in the indies, they've been in NXT. Literally, we just saw them a couple of weeks ago on NXT. I mean, you, you, you know, you look at D-Jack or, or even, you know, Mercedes Martinez. Yeah. These, are, these are prominent folks who have had matches, big-time matches in NXT within the past few weeks. And now they have these, these funky names and all this mm-hmm. other nonsense. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, who's on first, as, as we would say there, you know? Right. Just crazy. Like you, you brought up that you had spent some time in the WWE and, and – you know, it's pretty cool. You're working on the website. We hear a lot about the WWE having a chaotic structure behind the scenes and a lot of things are happening on the fly and what have you, because despite what's being planned, decision makers come in and rip it up and start all over again, literally at the drop of a dime. Mm-hmm. Did you experience things like that, even in the division that you worked in or, you know, was it a little bit more organized in the division you were working in? Uh, it was not organized. Not, 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 not as much. Um, I would say that maybe it was like 50% organized. The other times, uh, the supervisors plus the boss men that were there uh, would sometimes uh, tell, uh, come in and tell us to switch up some of the SEO words that we were doing. So, like, first of all, uh, we all know that Chris Benoit cannot be searched up. We know that for a fact. Um, I remember at one point they said it was okay and then they changed it a week later to be like, no, it's not okay. And that that was like some of the rotation that was happening. They were like, oh, sometimes this is okay. Sometimes that's not okay. Like, I'll, I'll tell this story on here. Um, so I had the privilege of watching when Matt Jackson from the Young Bucks uh, was there as an extra. And this was when it was like Cyber Tuesday And Big Show was explaining, like, you know, the fans can vote for whichever match they want. And there was a tables match. Out comes Matt Jackson. He gets uh, chokeslammed through the table. So, you know, in my me marking out because I'm a huge Young Bucks fan and stuff like that, I had to stop it and ask the supervisor, hey, uh, Matt Jackson from the Young Bucks is on my screen. Like, you know, how am I going to do this? And he was like, oh, really? Like, he was interested, too. But. He told me to like follow the rules as normal, you know, put them in there. And then later he'll talk to the boss just to see what will happen. It stood. Um, nothing really changed. But that's one example of like, you know, when you come across somebody that's from like a different promotion, what do I do with it? 
it's very difficult for anybody to be on TV these days and not have some kind of footage of being an extra in the WWE within the past, you know, 10, 15 years or so throughout their career. So I'm sure that happens on a consistent basis. That's, that's a good call out there. Marie, I know that you're somebody who's very passionate about women's wrestling and, and really the storyline aspect of it and everything down to how they're dressed, how they present themselves and things of that nature. How, why is it important to have women in the room when these decisions are being made about characters, specifically uh, women characters? Everybody has their own perspective, women included. And sometimes, you know, you might think one way, but when a woman is in the room with multiple men giving her suggestion and her thoughts and her ideas, your perspective might end up changing. And you might be like, oh, you know, you're right in this situation and we should try to do it that way and see what happens. Um, I just think that it's a learning process between everyone and anyone. You know, the moment that you're able to talk about your experience, the moment that things can start changing, probably. Does it make any sense for me to assume that I have a better understanding or better grasp of how to write a woman character, what she dresses like, how she speaks, and what are the things that are important to her? Does it make any sense that I would have a better grasp as a man than you would as a woman? My first instinct is to say no. (laughs) But then again, um, that's a very difficult question because sometimes men do grow up with a single mom. So all they have as reference is their mom and what their mom likes to do and what her friends like to do. So sometimes the situation is different. You know, every man is uh, different in the way they think and in the way that they grow up. I just think that there should be an open conversation about like, well, hey, if you experience it that way with, you know, a woman and how you define her and how you want to put her in storylines, you know, that's a conversation that needs to be talked about because not every woman wants to be seen as the damsel in distress if you grew up in that environment and that's all you know and that's how you want to portray a woman character. You know, it's, it's, it has to have a balance. We're talking to writer, author, and CEO of the Square Circle podcast, Marie Shadows. Let, let's jump from WWE to AEW for a moment here. When you take a look at their women's division, because there's a lot that's been said about that. Certainly yeah. there's a lot that's been said about that on this podcast. Overall, how do you feel about the way that they've been booked especially from a, a creative standpoint or rather the lack of creative uh, for these, these fine athletes here? In the past weeks, without mentioning the women's tag team tournament, um, it has gotten better. That's because they focused on getting actual women wrestlers who's been in the ring nonstop and they look uh, smooth and they know what they're doing. Um, as opposed to before, it's such a rocky start that, you know, there wasn't enough. But I've always praised the AEW Women's Division as it does have a strong foundation. It's just a matter of direction and structure. That's all AEW needs is structure and direction. Do you feel that it may have been not so good decision to have so many wrestlers be the executives who are still actively wrestling as opposed to bringing in people who may not have as much skin in the game in that regard who can just focus on, you know, developing stars 
and not also be worrying about where their match is on the card and things of that nature? That's a very difficult question. <laughs> Only because I think that it probably should have been half and half. Sure, you know, you can keep the EVPs because each of those guys are smart um, in their own ways and, you know, they know how to drive story. The only problem is, is that when they tweet out certain things that shouldn't be tweeted out, like I remember Cody mentioning how like the creative direction for the women's division, it's all collaborative. And I'm like, you can't have it like that. You need to at least have one or two people who would go around uh, to the women and ask them about their strengths and weaknesses and their their goals. Like, this is what I would do. And I mentioned this on my podcast that this is the idea that I would do. I would go around to each woman, ask them about their goals of where they see themselves in AEW and um, their strengths and their weaknesses, work on it, and then try to build a storyline to get them to their goal because they're being put on the back burner sometimes. Um, But I really do think that it should be EVPs plus a, you know, a little mini, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A little mini crew that can do all the behind the scenes and the daily tasks and all that kind of stuff. That's how I think it should be, 50-50. Not just everything on the EVPs plus Tony Khan. You know, that's a very good point there because we know that... um one of the things that AEW gets praised about by the people on the inside is the fact that they don't have a writer's room. You know, these are, these are literally the wrestlers themselves making up their content. And that sounds great in, in theory. And that Mm -hmm. may sound great for the wrestlers who legitimately are, you know, creative geniuses geniuses and they can just get it done like that i mean a chris jericho Mm -hmm. making up his own stuff that makes sense jericho has been in the business over 20 years he's wrestled everywhere he's he's gotten himself over in different incarnations all over the world and in multiple promotions so we we can understand that but overall does it make sense to give so much creative freedom quote-unquote to the wrestlers themselves without having proper checks and balances in place um, no one wrestler should have that much creative freedom and, you know, people might take that the wrong way and it might be WCW-esque, but I was thinking about this not too long ago is that each, dy- each dynamite has been so explosive and it's definitely must-see television, but what happens when you start running out of fuel and you run out of gas. Like what are the TNT executives going to do then? Are you going to try to replace some of the guys who maybe got injured with guys that we don't really know and haven't fallen in love with because we don't know what their character is. Like after a while, you do need that checks and balances to be like, all right, we need an even playing field. Um, If a storyline is dragging because there's no new material, you're not adding in like a third guy or run in, you know, that should probably be done with. Like, I'm happy that Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy is done with because I was a little tired and I didn't really care too much going towards the end of it. Um, Another thing, too, is that, like, since I've been on the indies for a very long time and I'm not a wrestler, guys. I'm basically a behind-the-scenes person. I'm ring crew. I'm ticket agent. You know, the only thing that I get to do is travel around with my client, JD Alpha, and his matches and promote the companies that he goes to and just help out all around. Some of the indie guys in the New York City and New Jersey area don't know how to pitch themselves 
stories or know what their character is. And this is where the writer's room comes in. Now, I'm not saying that companies like AEW should hire 100 writers and do it like WWE. No, my whole thing is that if you're a writer, you should be given the guys bullet points to jump off of or give them a character direction and see where it could go from there. I, me personally, if I ever give a script to a wrestler, that's wrong of me. I should give them bullet points and I should talk to them and be like, hey, this is, this is what I think your character should do. You know, let's go see and let's go try it. Um, I would never give a wrestler a full script where they would have to read it. Like, I don't want to take that creativeness from them because each of us have our own creative beauty that we could put out into the world and we can make our own stories. Sometimes you just need to push in the right direction. And that's all I want. And that's why AEW would need a checks and balance system for that. Talk to me about your client, uh, uh, JD Alpha here, because that's interesting that you brought up that name. I know it's a guy who's been really making it happen on the indie scene. And I know that's even on social media, he's been creating a lot of buzz and what have you. Who is JD Alpha and why is this somebody that should be booked on the, the next indie card for all the promote, promoters out there who are listening? Simple. JD Alpha has never played WWF No Mercy. And that's a sin within the wrestling community. But he doesn't think it's serious because he'll put you in the Spanish Fly Hall of Fame. He is a high flyer. He's a technical guy. He's been around the New York, New Jersey area and also in Texas. And he's also won... Uh, the light heavyweight championship off of uh, in IWA. Um, he knows how to get a match going and whatnot. Uh, he also tried to challenge Cody for the TNT championship uh, title, but that fell through. We do have that video, though. Well, there you have it, folks. J.D. Alpha is definitely somebody to keep an eye on. And Cody Rhodes, stop ducking J.D. Alpha. I don't know what's going on there. You know, definitely <laughs> shaking in your in your Cody Rhodes boots as usual. We know well, all about that. Well, right now we're trying to get into the dark order. JD Alpha is trying to uh, sacrifice a lamb in honor to get into the dark order, but uh, no one's taking the bait. <laughs> oh my goodness! I, I don't even, <laughs> Peter. Peter, please don't come after me on, on that one there. Oh my goodness! Listen, Marie Shadows, you're definitely somebody who is not only very creative, but you have some strong opinions about things, which I really respect and appreciate. I think there's a lot of folks out there who are too afraid to speak up about the things that they see that need to change. And especially, you know, a woman of color, uh, I know that oftentimes people try to marginalize and act like your voice doesn't matter. And I'm here to tell you it absolutely matters. And I appreciate the fact that you keep doing what you're doing because what you're doing is important. We Thank need you. more people to stand up and say, hey, this needs to change. We can improve upon that and also offer some suggestions on how to do it, which is what I really appreciate about what you say. So please, uh, Marie, let everybody know if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to check out some of your writing or your podcast, plug away, plug everything for us, please. You guys can find me over on the Twitter side at Marie underscore shadows. And then you could also find me on my Patreon where I will be putting up my writing to my first ever novel that I'm trying to complete. It is a murder mystery wrestling novel called Rookie, where it takes place following Zemi from indie to mainstream stardom, all while trying to figure out who killed his father in the business. You can head over to patreon.com forward slash rookie SCP. Okay, Marie, before I let you go, you know, I, I had to bring this up here because sure. I, did my, I did my research and I found out that not only 
are you uh, Puerto Rican, but you're also Italian. Yes, I am. So we're talking about the greatest fusion of food and music and overall culture, just great stuff here going on um, with your background and your household, so to speak. So please, you got to let us know if you could combine a dish from both cultures and make one ultimate, this is a great snack or a great uh, main course or something like that. What's something from the Italian side and the Puerto Rican side that you can put together and it would just be heaven for anyone who's going to eat it? Oh, man, that is such a great question. So two biggest staples uh, in this culture would be that on the Puerto Rican side, you have a penne. And then on the Italian side, you have lasagna. Imagine instead of putting regular ground beef in the lasagna, you take a done penne. Uh, shred it up and put it in the lasagna. So you could have the combination of both worlds as a penny lasagna, even though that's not the most graceful names, but you get it. You combine both of them together and, you know, it'll probably be great. So wait, wait, what, you said a penny. What, what is that? For anyone who oh, doesn't sorry, know what that is. Sorry. <laughs> so a penny is basically a pork shoulder uh, marinated in sofrito, which is a combination of uh, herbs and peppers and just great spices and you put it in as a rub, you put it in the oven, you cook it. So basically instead of Puerto Rico's calling it a pork shoulder, it's basically a penny. That, that's what it is. It's a juicy uh, pork love goodness that after it's done you get to shred it up as if like it's uh, shredded pork and you just put it with the lasagna when you make it. So yeah. So literally a penny, this, this, this pork shoulder that's spiced with all the, yep. the delicious uh, Puerto Rican spices and what yep. have you, and then you stuff it in your lasagna shells. Oh, my goodness. We got we to gotta make up a name for this. We I don't even know what it would be, but um, if, you're, if your fans want to make up a name for it, that would be great. You know, I, I'll just call it like it is. It's a penny lasagna. There it is. Combine the best of both worlds. Her name is Marie Shadows. Not only can you read great stories from her and listen to her with some great takes on pro wrestling, but she can even give you some delicious recipes like the Benny lasagna. Thanks again, Marie. <laughs> Thank you, man. Pleasure. Fun interview there with Marie Shadows. And, you know, really, she's just somebody who knows a lot and has some great opinions, not afraid to put them out there. So once again, shout out to Marie Shadows. Cool person. Cool person. You know, you can always come here and get interviews from personalities related to the wrestling industry, entertainment industry, media, what have you. Just, you know, really, really interesting folks. And it's always a pleasure to get perspective from people that maybe, you know, some of you haven't heard much from before. So. Again, shout out to Marie Shadows. Appreciate you. That's right. And to you, welcome back. Welcome back to Duke Loves Wrestling, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. You know, I'm a little hoarse this week. A little hoarse. No, I'm not getting sick. I've been doing so many interviews, you know, so many interviews. I have this show, Duke Loves Wrestling. I also have another podcast, Tell Us the Truth which, you know, we delve into systemic racism and its effect on society. I interview people from different walks of life, 
all talking about their encounters with systemic racism and, and what they do to combat it and hopefully, you know, overcome it. That's double duty, man, on top of the shoot job and all that other stuff. So the Duke's a little hoarse this week, but don't you worry. I have my tea right here with me, so I'm ready to rock and roll. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up here, but rest in peace to Road Warrior Animal. Yeah, one of the greatest tag team wrestlers of all time has gone up to join his partner, Hawk, and the great big ring in the sky. You know, so major loss. He was only 60 years old. I mean, fairly young guy to pass away suddenly. Um, so pretty disheartening, unfortunate. I'm not sure what the cause of death is, um, and we'll have more information in the coming weeks, but just unfortunate. Literally, he was part of the Road Warriors, you know, Legion of Doom tag team. And they were everywhere, man. NWA, WCW, WWF, Japan. They were everywhere. AWA, where I believe they got their start. Just, you know, they revolutionized what it meant to be a tag team. They were larger than life. Bright, rough and tumble. They had spikes. They came out with spikes on their shoulder pads and stuff. Just crazy dudes, man. Really interesting team. Probably the most influential tag team in pro wrestling history, you know, I'm not going to say they're the greatest. A lot of people say they're the greatest. I don't subscribe to that because I don't think that their in-ring work was really that great. I think the presentation and the feeling of what they could do, I think their physical dominance was imposing and was great. But as far as, you know, though, Jesus, I mean, Animal himself would tell you that they weren't necessarily the best wrestlers, you know. Steiner Brothers, That's I, I would give the Steiner Brothers the number one tag team moniker if I had to pick one. But the Road Warriors, definitely the most influential. No two ways about it. So rest in peace, Road Warrior Animal. And, you know, listen, folks, there's there's been some talk. A lot of you talked about it lately, disheartened by some of the comments that he's made later in his life. You know, some of these things, nationalist, propaganda-ish type stuff, you know. And I think that there is a time to discuss a person as a whole person. I never understood this notion of when somebody passes away that we should forget about the negative things they've done and and just try to exalt them. I don't don't subscribe to that. Don't believe in that. I think that's foolish. Because as a human being, a complete human being, there were flaws and all. Now, that doesn't mean you need to tear anybody down, but be honest about who the person is. You know, I think back to the Ultimate Warrior, or Warrior, changed his name to uh, Jim Helwig. Here was a guy that was just, he was flawed, man. One of the most influential wrestlers of all time, but he was flawed. And a lot of people were willing to talk about how flawed he was. <laughs> Talked about how influential he was too, but they talked about his flaws because he wasn't necessarily the most well liked person. But I noticed that when you have somebody who is well liked, people try to tamp down any talk of any negativity or flaws that they had. Well, I'm not with that. And I don't care if anyone takes exception or gets upset with me over it. We'll see. Either next week or the week after, I'm going to have a complete discussion about Road Warrior Animal. He deserves it. Flaws and all. So 
But for now, rest in heaven and my condolences to all of his loved ones. A lot of people were touched and influenced by him. A lot of fans grew up watching the Road Warriors. So, you know, sad, sad stuff, man. I'll tell you what's not sad, though. Mission Pro Wrestling. <laughs> they put on a card, that, that Hell Hath No Fury card. That was just one for the ages, man. A really good effort by the folks over at Mission Pro. Shout out to everybody. Robin, Thunder Rosa, their whole crew. You know, shout out to everybody who's on the card. I know that the main event saw Thunder Rosa and um, Lindsey Snow tear the house down that main event. One of the better matches of the year on any card. Just fantastic. And speaking of Lindsay Snow, you know, she's after me. I, I I made the mistake of calling her a tatted up Barbie doll. And I think she put a bounty on my head. So, Lindsay Snow, if you're listening right now, I want to uh, apologize to you formally. You're welcome to come on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast next week. And everyone can hear me grovel and beg you not to beat me up. So, we'll see if she takes the challenge there. but. <laughs> she's not one to play with, man. And she gave Thunder Rosa her all. But Thunder Rosa was able to be victorious, so she's still the NWA World Women's Champion. Speaking of which, she's also continued to be all over AEW TV on Dynamite. You know, last week there was, there was a lot of controversy because she had that match. And, you know, I talked about it a little bit. I don't know what was going on with Eva Lee's during that match, they were part of a tag team match this week, and for the most part, all seemed well. So maybe things have changed for the better. Who knows? But I'll tell you right right now, man, Thunder Rosa, I mean, that, that lady is money. If you have a chance to be involved in a match or a skit or exchanges online or whatever with her, you stick with Thunder Rosa, man. So for all you wrestlers out there, Make sure that you're protecting the money, right? I mean, I, I really, I liken it to a Ric Flair. It's like you, you wouldn't want to hurt Ric Flair. You want to continue to feed Ric Flair and, and do what you can to surround Ric Flair and help him because that's the money. John Cena, that's the money. Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair, that's the money. You, you know, support the people who are the money. I'm not talking about somebody who's just good or somebody who's just a champion. I'm talking about the people that transcend, that go above and beyond what you normally see. Those are the money players, man. And you can be a money player if you figure out what your role is and contribute to the team. Right? There's only one Ric Flair. But Ric Flair needed a Dusty Rhodes and a Sting, and a Ricky Steamboat, right? Think about that. He needed an Arn Anderson behind him, and a Tully Blanchard, and a Barry Windham, right? Didn't hurt that he had a J.J. Dillon. He, he needed a Lex Luger that he, that he had to turn on and do things. I mean, this is what I'm talking about, man. Protect the money. I'm serious. Protect the money. So shout out to Thunder Rosa. I, I feel like she legitimately is having one of the great runs in wrestling history. She just, everywhere she goes, she's, she's turning out just 
amazing match. She just had a match with Priscilla Kelly, which was fantastic. And I think it really gave Priscilla a nice boost as well, just reminding everybody about, about how good she still is. So hopefully that translates into some more opportunities for her. But I'll tell you, man, I'm all one with Thunder Rosa bandwagon. And I don't care who knows it. She's awesome. So speaking of bandwagons, happy birthday to April Hunter. Big fan of the show, friend of the show. Been on the show numerous times and somebody that I just have a tremendous amount of respect and admiration for. Um, you know, she was one of the first people to have her own website. And we're talking like over 20 years ago, you know, doing the pictures and the custom matches and all that stuff, blogging. Uh, she was one of the first people in wrestling to really be dedicated to that sort of thing. And now you see everybody in modeling and entertainment and wrestling. They're doing that stuff today. But think about this, man. 22, 23 years ago, April Hunter was doing that stuff. And she's still doing it. So shout out to uh, April. She has her Etsy shop with her candles and her soaps. So please check that out. April had an accident, man. She, she, um, one of her breast implants actually ruptured, <laughs> which is, you know, sounds pretty dangerous. Jeez. But I think it was one of those, those saline or safe ones. So she's not sick, but. She's in the process of getting that repaired. So please go to her, her Etsy shop and support April. Definitely would be helpful. You know, speaking of helpful, boy, I'll tell you what, when I think about the past week in pro wrestling and I'm thinking about all of the different shows, one thing that's helpful is to, to be serious about how you're structuring and writing these shows. And I know that me, Marie Shadows and I, we, we just discussed that, but I'll tell you, I'm watching, we saw it on Raw, and I'm watching Dynamite last night, and it's the same concept where it just seems like a lot of things are happening on the fly, which can be exciting because you don't know what's going to happen next. It doesn't feel predictable, but I'm sure it's not exciting for the performers, and sometimes there are some major misses. One of the more major misses last night in, in Dynamite was John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. They had an AEW championship match. Now, listen, Eddie Kingston getting a championship match this early is interesting, but, you know, I guess, hey, other people, it's happening to them, so why not him? Fine. And I like Eddie. Eddie's great on the mic. You know, Eddie's he's awesome. But doesn't he deserve a build? Doesn't it deserve to be some kind of feud? I mean, can you imagine the back and forth promos between those two and the attacks and the things that can lead into something major? You don't just throw them in the ring against each other. What the hell? What are we doing? And I get that there were some issues. I mean, AEW, you know, Taz called the WWE a sloppy shop <laughs> or rather said we don't run a slop sloppy shop like that other place. When WWE had their initial COVID-19 outbreak. But here at AEW, they got one on their hands now. Lance Archer. And some other folks yet to be named, but they weren't on Dynamite last night and they weren't part of Dark. AEW has a COVID outbreak. So much for the sloppy shop stuff, right? So I get that that may have uh, contributed to all the chaos last night, but I'm just telling you, man, Eddie Kingston deserves a, a build. If you're going to put him in there in a championship match, let's give, us, give everybody a build. 
because you will generate more interest that way. What we got last night was just nonsense. I don't know what the hell that was. So, I don't know. It's interesting. Over on, on uh, NXT, they started off with a women's battle royal to determine who would be the number one contender. And Candice won, which was great. Fun match. You had, you had a lot of ladies from the Indies, some former Ignite wrestling wrestlers like Avery Taylor was in there. Fun match. Big fan of Avery Taylor. I think she has some uh, she has some main events ahead of her in her career. So, but fun match and fun card. A lot of good wrestling storyline based. It wasn't all the sizzle, but all the action was there. The beef was there. AEW is so good at sizzle, but you know, a little light on the beef. NXT has no sizzle whatsoever. Heavy on the beef. You, you can get your whole day's worth of protein watching a uh, NXT. You might just burn your tongue watching uh, AEW, but the portion size of the beef is not really there. So I don't know. Just interesting. Speaking of interesting, uh, shout out to Naomi. You know, WWE superstar Trinity for two. She had to have emergency surgery. I guess she had some kind of uh, f- some kind of growth happening, fibroid or something of that nature. Some kind of growth happening that needed to be addressed. But she's doing fine. She's she's on the mend, which thank goodness for that. Boy, this, this young lady. I mean, she she alluded to this a few months back about. Late last year, she discovered a life-threatening illness. I wonder if this is related to that. I, I hope it's not anything in addition to that. But, you know, we wish Naomi the best. She, she's a superstar. And I'm going to tell you right now, whether she's wrestling or doing something else, I mean, she is somebody that you could strap a rocket to and watch her just take off, man. You know, maybe she should start doing some commentary and some hosting and things like that. Start thinking about life after wrestling. I think that would be awesome because she's still pretty young. I'm sure she still has plenty of bumps left, but it, it still doesn't hurt to have a backup plan. So my best to Naomi for sure. It's just, it's we're we're heading into the fall season. And the thing about fall is that, People are, you know, they're going to be indoors more, watching TV more. So you're going to see more exciting television. But that also means pro wrestling is going to have to step its game up, right? I mean, you look at Retribution and some of these things WWE's doing. Of course, AEW has the, the, the Dark Order or whatever. These are things that you can do a lot with, but... Is it enough? I don't know. And furthermore, the virtual fans, is that enough? I mean, it's not going anywhere. We keep hearing from the CDC that this COVID thing is going to continue to get worse during the fall before it gets better. Right? So we know it's not going anywhere. So the virtual fan stuff, that's, that's here to stay. Now, the hybrid of live fans and the virtual fans is fine, but is it enough? You know, you're piping in the sound of fans being in the arena. Is it enough? It's hit or miss as far as the, the feeling is watching it at home. 
hit or miss. And, I, and I've spoken to some folks who have been on screen and they've expressed, you know, for the most part, positivity. They, they enjoy being part of Thunderdome and things of that nature, which is pretty cool. I haven't done it yet. I don't think I will either. Um, from what I understand, at least from the beginning, you can't really eat or drink or do things like that. Listen, man, I, the, the Duke's got to be able to do whatever Duke wants to do, right? If I want to drink my Navitas Organics uh, smoothie or something, then I should be able to do that. I don't need Vincent Kendrick, man, to tell me to put that drink down or something crazy like that. So I don't know. We'll see. Speaking of which, um, shout out to Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I just I can't say this enough. Just a great team over there. Really proud of those folks, and they continue to do a good job. The, the, the PWI Weekly that they mail out for free every week is just awesome, awesome stuff. So just want to throw that out there. Shout out to PWI. Also, shout out to Impact Wrestling. And listen, Impact, they had a, a, two women's matches, a women's main event, just a lot of great action, diversity everywhere on their card. Impact is coming, man. I mean, they, they never really went anywhere, right? But they're coming. There's no reason why Impact Wrestling can't be the number two promotion in the world. I don't think they're going to get it to number one, but they could be number two. I can tell you right now, I am much more entertained watching Impact than I am with some of these other promotions, including AEW. Much more entertained. And when I think about Jordan Grace taking on the woman formerly known as Emma <laughs> in the WWE, um, Emmalina, remember she did that Emmalina gimmick too? It was, it was a, a really stiff, exciting to watch, interesting matchup. I enjoyed it. I'm talking about Tennille Dashwood, by the way. Let me make sure I say her name. Say her name. Tennille Dashwood. Um, good match. Really good match. Really enjoyed it. Impact has some talent, man. I tune in every week. Love it. And it's so important because, you know, with with wild superheroes currently shopping for a home on TV, which I really miss them Saturday nights, um, I, pound for pound, Impact Wrestling churns out some of the best women's matches on TV today. I mean, any given week, they're doing a better job than WWE. Any given week. So, again, shout out to Impact. My friends over in, in Middle Kingdom Wrestling, they, they continue to churn along and they're doing some good stuff down there in China. And I'll tell you, man, if you get a chance to go on YouTube, MKW China, Middle Kingdom Wrestling, you got to check their stuff out. Got to check it out. It'll, it'll surprise you. They got the bright lights and the, the good action, a diverse roster. Really interesting stuff, which you wouldn't expect China would be a place that would have the caliber of wrestling that you're seeing from NKW. I mean, because you don't really hear about China as being a wrestling hotbed, so to speak. But Middle Kingdom Wrestling, they're, they're making it happen, man. Very proud of my friends out there. And, of course, Adrian and the whole crew, shout out. 
Adrian was one of the, he was the first guest here on Duke Loves Wrestling nearly five years ago. So good folks out there. Really good. I'm just taking you around the world, so to speak, right? It's been a while since we've done any of this, this uh, nerdy wrestling talk. <laughs> but I'm excited. Overall, the state of wrestling, I think, is healthy and positive. I think there are a lot of folks out there who are still having some challenges, but I think there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We're seeing more events being scheduled, taking place. They're figuring out their safety protocols. And I think the end result is some good product, product that we need. So if you get a chance to support any of these folks, please do. Please do. That's right. Okay, folks, I'm going to take my uh, <laughs> my hoarse voice and get the heck out of here. This will be a short episode this week. Again, I want to thank Marie Shadows. Thank you for listening. And do me a favor. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. Do me a favor. I need you to head over to wherever you listen to this podcast. Hit that subscribe button and also give me a rating. I'd appreciate the five stars, but give me a rating. Come on. Our social media continues to grow and, you know, we have uh, sponsors and partners that continue to want to be a part of the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast and be associated with the brand, which is very much appreciated. But uh, let me know what you think and, and who, you, who do you want to hear on the show in the not too distant future? That's the big thing. What do you want to hear? You let me know. We'll get them on. I know I got some great guests coming up from the indie scene and beyond. Um, but you know, every now and then I take these, these uh, solicitations, so to speak. So tell me who you want. Let me get them on here for sure. Until then, listen, be kind to yourselves, be kind to others. This is Duke Very Horse saying, take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs>